Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. John chapter 6, there is something very interesting there. I'm going to trace certain things there and then see why it is very important that if you want to walk with the Almighty God, certain things must happen in our lives. In the book of John, the Bible tells us that Jesus fed 5,000 people. You remember the story. The Bible says that Jesus Christ was preaching somewhere. He fed 5,000 people with two small fishes and <clears throat> with two small fishes and five barley loaves. Bible makes us understand that the people, as soon as they saw that miracle, they were so excited that they wanted to make Jesus Christ the king. Okay? Because they saw here is the guy who is able to turn two and the two fish and five loaves, he's able to turn it to feed five thousand people. This is the kind of person you need. Okay? You don't need to walk anymore. The guy will just be feeding us. So they wanted to turn him into a king. The Bible goes on to photo, you know. The Bible goes on to tell us that they saw the performance, they saw the signs and the wonder, and they wanted Jesus Christ to want to continue to be with them. And Jesus Christ understood the motivation. Jesus knew why they were following him. He knew why they were continuing to remain with him. And in verse number 26 of John chapter, of John chapter 6, the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me. In other words, you're looking for me. You want to be with me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate loaves and were filled. In other words, because of what you want to eat. And many of us are in the church today, not because of what we are interested in the things that God is doing, but it's just because of the fact that the Lord is mastering our prayer and is giving us what we want. And because he's giving us what we want, we continue to follow him. Jesus understood that. He said that you are following me because you are eating, not because of any other thing. Okay? In other words, stop pursuing transient things, Jesus is saying. Okay? He doesn't say stop pursuing transient things. Stop following after the things that do not matter. You know, Stop falling after the things that do not last. You see, with verse number 27, they do not labor for food which perish. Don't labor for food which perish, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal upon him. He's saying that it is good for you to eat something. It's good for you to enjoy the blessings of God at this moment. He said, but don't let that be your preoccupation. Don't let that be your focus. Don't let that be the thing that is motivating you. He says, stop pursuing the things that are transient. Stop pursuing the things that will run out. Stop pursuing the things that do not last. He said, but rather pursue the things that will last forever. Pursue those things which are everlasting. Okay? That's what Jesus was telling. He said, move from where you are. Move from this idea, this limited view of life that you have. This limited view of God that you have. Move from there to the place where you are able to see God do extremely extraordinary things. That means God is able to take you to a, better, to a better place. Now, after Jesus told them, he began to share with them some basic truth. And the crowd, you know, you know one thing is that many of us, normally when, we, when you are caught behaving in a way that you don't like, you try to cover it up. 
Okay? Many of us try to do, you know, try to say, okay, no, that's not what I really mean. This is what I mean. You know, but the the crowd did exactly the same thing. When Jesus Christ told them, hey, you are following me because of the food you are eating, they wanted to mask that particular intention. So they asked him in verse number 28, he said, well, then they said unto him, what shall we do then that we may do the work of God? In other words, we are not just following you, we want to do the work of God. What shall we do then to be the, to do the work of God? Jesus Christ understood what they were, you know, he knew, he knew the game they were playing. The Bible told us that Jesus now told them what the God, what the word of God, what the work of God was. He said that they should believe in whom he has sent. And he told them what it means to believe who he has sent. He also told them something that now really, really got them off the edge. He told them about the bread of life. As soon as they heard about the bread of life, the Bible makes us to understand that every one of them wanted it. Because they thought that, you know, they, because they believed Jesus Christ said that, if I give you this bread of life, you will never hunger anymore. Man, that is an exciting thing because if I, if you give me something that I will eat and I will never be hungry, that's good for me. I don't have to go to work. I don't have to wake up early. I mean, I don't have to begin to go to the grocery store. You are giving me, oh man, everybody wanted it. And Jesus knew that they didn't even understand what he was talking about. They had no clue what he was referring to. And Jesus knew that they had no idea what he was telling them. So in verse number 35, Jesus Christ told them what it meant to give them the bread of life. The Bible now tells us, Jesus told them, say, I am that bread of life. He said, who that comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst." Immediately Jesus Christ told them, they understood that this bread is not the one you buy in Walmart, okay, or the one you get in Kruger. They understood that this was not, this is not physical bread that Jesus Christ was talking about. And the Bible said that they started murmuring. They started grumbling. They said, and they said, is this not the same Jesus, the son of Joseph, eh? whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says he has come down from heaven? In other words, how can you tell me you are going to feed me, you know, when we know you, we know who you are, you are a carpenter, I mean, you are just another person just like me and you. Why are you giving me the promises that you know you cannot fulfill? In other words, they say they did not believe the word of what Jesus Christ was saying. They did not even believe what Jesus Christ claimed to be. What he wanted to give them, they didn't even believe it. Jesus, knowing they had difficulty believing what he told them, ordinarily you would have let it go if you are just a regular preacher. But Jesus Christ was not a regular preacher. Jesus Christ now added insult to the injury. Already they are having difficulty accepting Jesus as the bread of life. Jesus now added additional problem to their understanding. Let's pick up the story from verse number 51. The Bible says, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give you, so that you don't make an under, you don't misunderstand it. He said, the bread that I give you is my flesh which I give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves and said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Are you nuts? <laughs> Something's wrong with you. I mean, we're talking about eating good food. You're telling me, giving you over here, and you're going to be giving me your flesh to eat? How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto him, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. <laughs> that is some really heavy stuff there. This is not just, I'm not going to provide you with burger and all this kind of thing. That's what they were thinking. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to give you my flesh to eat. And not just, he didn't just say it once. He said it almost three times there. You are going to eat my flesh, you are going to drink my blood. And if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are done. 
You don't have anything going. So that they don't misunderstand. He tell them again. If you don't eat my flesh and don't drink my blood, you are done. You don't have eternal life with you. The Bible now tells us in verse number 60. He said, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, okay, pastor, this is a very, very difficult business that you are putting us in. This is a very hard saying. Who can understand it? By the time you get to verse number 66, the Bible tells us, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and stopped and, and walked with him no more. In other words, what this guy was saying is too absurd. It's too weird. It's too cookie for me to continue to identify with this guy. You are telling me you're going to give me your blood, your blood and your, your flesh to eat? Ah, sorry. Uh, this is not what I want to sign for. Okay? The question is, why are they going back? The reason they are going back is because, number one, the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ challenged their wisdom. It challenged conventional wisdom. Ordinarily, every preacher, when you have done a miracle, and the 5,000 people are now following you, you begin to sign up with TBN so that you can get a television spot. That's what you do. You begin to create, you know, uh, a ministry so that you can begin to have a publishing business. You begin to do all those things that will attract bigger crowd. But you don't go and tell people that you are going to give them your, your blood and you are going to give them your flesh. You don't go about telling people like that. You don't go about telling people that I know why you are following me. It's because you are eating. You don't have to do that. Follow this. You don't say the things that drive people away. But these people could not understand this guy that they call Jesus Christ. And the reason they stop following him is that this guy is too weird. He has challenged conventional wisdom. Number two, the reason they stopped following him was because he dislodged their fundamental beliefs. Their beliefs was that they were waiting for a savior that will save the whole world. A savior that will meet their world. A savior that will rule a physical kingdom. That was what they were expecting for. They were expecting their Messiah to be. But Jesus was not a physical Messiah. He was a Messiah that was come to establish the kingdom of heaven in their hearts. They did not understand that. They stopped following him because he dislodged their fundamental belief. Number three, they stopped following him because he made these crazy, weird, unusual claims. You are telling me that you are the bread of life. You are telling me that you came down from heaven. But we know your father. We know your mother. Come on, man. Stop giving us this thing. We are not drinking Kool-Aid. You know, that's basically what they were telling him. We, you know, we, 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 we stopped. We, we we, we're not going to succumb to this thing. So because he made some unusual claim, a lot of people stopped following him. They stopped following him because he demanded more from them. He's not asking them to follow him without any kind of commitment. He's not asking them to follow him without any kind of any kind of any kind of a uh, deposit. You have to be invested in the work with the Almighty God. That's what Jesus was telling them, and that's why they could not follow him. And then finally, most importantly, he was you know they stopped following him because he demanded a lifelong commitment. The Bible says that abide in me. And I will abide. The word abide means remain with me. He's not asking you for a particular decision for just one month. Or for just one year. Or for just ten years. He's saying as soon as you sign that dotted line. And you say that you belong to me. I'm expecting a lifelong commitment. I'm expecting you to follow me all the way. And that is why when many of them listened to him. When many of them heard what he was saying. They concluded that it was a very very difficult thing. I think who can follow this guy? He's not telling me something that my ears want to hear. He's not telling me something that will make me feel good. 
He's not telling me something that every other person is telling me. He's telling me something that is very difficult. In other words, this guy is, what he's asking is not easy. What this guy is demanding is too hard. And those who cannot pay, or those who are not willing to pay, they just simply said, no, we can't do this. I can't do this. Now, why have I told you this? I'm telling you this because, number one, as a believer, you cannot follow Christ. You cannot walk with Christ if you find his teaching to be difficult. You cannot follow Christ if you are uncomfortable with the things that he's asking you to do. You cannot follow Christ if you continue to see the things that he's saying as, you know, challenging your fundamental. If you are not willing to let go of your fundamental beliefs, you cannot follow him. Okay? You cannot follow Christ if you cannot commit to an abiding lifestyle. Jesus is not asking you to walk with you, to walk with him for just one day. He's not asking you to walk with him for just one year. He's asking for a lifelong commitment. He wants you to abide with him. That is the person that he's asking to follow you. Now I want you to quickly know, let's let's flip, let's flip back our minds to verse number 54 of that same John chapter 6. I want to show you something there. Bible tells us in verse number 6, in verse number 54, he said, Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The question is, was Je- what was Jesus talking about here? Is Jesus advocating that people should become cannibals? That we should be drinking people's blood and eating somebody's flesh? Is that what Jesus Christ is advocating? Is he teaching that people we should become flesh-eating people? Of course not. We all know that. So what is he talking about? Go back, go to verse number 55 of that same chapter. The Bible says, my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Whoso, who, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, might abide in me and I in him. Now from this verse of the scripture, Jesus is saying that you have, you, for you to have life, for you to have what you are seeking, for you to be able to follow me, for you to be able to remain in me, you must be, you must as a matter of necessity feed on me. In other words, eating and drinking Christ's flesh and blood has number one to do with the mutual indwelling between you and Christ. In other words, when you feed on him, when you eat, when you drink his word, when you feed on his word, we find that you begin to take him in. That means he begins to dwell in you and you dwell in him. That's what he's talking about. He wants to dwell inside of you. And the way he does so is for you to accept the things that he's teaching you. So that those things can shape your life. They can control the way you live your life. Number two, we eating and the drinking of the, bro- of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ has to do with sharing your life with him. He's not saying that you should be separate. He's not asking you to be separated. He's not saying that, you know, you don't have this thing that is called the, the circular sacred split. What I, refer, what I mean by circular sacred split is that on Sunday you put on the sacred part of you. You switch on the Christianity and that's when you become holy. And then on Monday you switch it off and that's you become, you know, a regular person. So that the way you behave at work and the way you behave in church are two different things. Jesus is saying, no. If you want to eat my flesh and drink my blood, I want you to share my life with you. I want to share my life with you. I want you to share your life with me. I want you to surrender it to me so that everywhere you go, I will live through you. That's what Jesus is saying. A shared life. Number three, eating and drinking the blood and the body, the, the flesh and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ has to do with a life of dependency. 
It means that you are saying, Lord, I cannot live by myself. I cannot survive this world on my own. I cannot do this thing by my own power. I am depending on you. And Jesus is saying, as soon as you depend on me, I will live my life through you. That is basically what he's saying. Number four, when Jesus said, when when Jesus talked about eating and drinking his flesh, he's talking about having, they have everything to do with the life of productivity. He's saying that you cannot be productive. You cannot live a life that is effective outside of me. If you want to live a life of productivity, if you want to live a life that is effective, you have to be able to feed on my word, feed on my blood, feed on the things that come out of me. And then finally, most importantly, the eating and the drinking of flesh and blood has to do with the abiding presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. In other words, he's saying that when you imbibe me, when you shock in everything that I have to say to you, he said, I will begin to dwell with you. And then everywhere you go, you carry me along. I don't know whether it has ever happened to you before, but there are times when if you listen to yourself very much, you see that you begin to hear the voice of your father in your head or the voice of your mother in your head when you're about to do something. When you are growing up, your mother kept telling you certain things. As you get older, you begin to hear that voice in your head. You know, when you're about to do something or you go to somewhere, you just hear the voice of your father or your mother or your somebody or your teacher at the back of, and it controls you. That's what Jesus Christ is trying to tell them. He's saying that my abiding presence and many of us who have walked with the Lord, you can tell. When you're about to do something, the Spirit of Jehovah said, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. If you are sensitive enough, you will hear it. But what will end up happening is that most of us, we just ignore that voice. Say, don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll repent later. I'll do it today, but I'll repent later. And that we do that a lot. There are times you begin to have this struggle inside your heart. One will say, do it. And I will say, don't do it. I will say, do it. Don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. It's the one that you give credence to. That is the one that overrode. Jesus is saying that if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you will have my constant presence with you. So that everywhere you go, you will be carrying me along. Abiding presence. Jesus is saying, unless you feed on my word, unless you feed on my teaching, unless you feed on the fact that my body was broken for your sake, unless you feed on the fact that my blood was shed for your sake, you cannot follow me, let alone enjoy eternal life. It's not possible. Because it is what I have done. It is when you believe what I have done. It is when you believe what I have taught you. It is when you believe the things that are said of myself concerning you. That is when you have the life of God flowing through you. In other words, if you are going to follow me, if you are going to have that eternal life, if you are going to experience the things that I promised you in your life, I am saying that if you want to experience life eternal, he said you have no option than to abide with me. And that is why it is always very interesting when you see the church. Somebody says they need something from the Lord. They pray and they pray and they get what they want. And the next thing is that they step aside. And then you expect God to continue to bless you when you are already out of the camp. And then you find out that at the end of the day, by the time you enjoy that blessing for a while, and things begin to happen, and you know, things begin to happen that is contrary to that thing, you begin to you see them running back into the church again. And what that does for you is this. And I'm giving you an example of a child that plants a seed and every morning keeps taking that seed out, looking at it, that seed. That seed will never grow. What happens is that when you take one step forward and then take three steps backward, it makes your journey longer. It makes the blessings of God not to be permanent. It makes it very difficult for God to establish what he has promised to do in our life. Jesus is saying that if you want to enjoy the promises that I've made to you. In John 10, 10, Jesus Christ, I have said, Jesus Christ said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. 
For you to have that abundantly abundant life, he said, abiding in my presence is what makes the difference. When you remain with me, not when you come in today and go away three months and then come back again, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Jesus is saying, abiding in me. If you want to experience life, if you want to experience the things that I have told you, he said, you have no option than to abide in me. The question then is, what does it mean to abide in Christ? That is the thing. What does it mean to abide in Christ? To abide in Christ is to receive and to trust all that God has to give to us in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that God has blessed us with all blessings in heavenly places through Christ Jesus. There are so many things that God wants to release into the life of his people. But the Lord is saying that if you are going to abide in him, it means that you have to remain so that you can receive those things. You have to stand in there trusting that God will release it unto you. Abiding in Christ means that you are allowing the word of God to fill your mind so that you begin to take in the word of God and you begin to let that word fill your mind. Abiding in Christ means that you are allowing the word of God to direct your will. The things that you want to do, you are allowing the word of God to direct it. Abiding in Christ means that you are allowing your desires to be transformed by the word of God. That is what abiding means. Abiding means that you are remaining in the presence of the Almighty God against all odds. When it is nice, you are there. When it is not nice, you are there. When it is raining, you are there. When there is sunshine, it is there. When you receive the blessings, you are there. When the blessings are not coming, you are there. When things are happening nicely, you are there. When, I mean, when life is going good, you are there. And when life is not going very good, you are there. That is what it means to abide. That is what it means to abide. And this requires number one, because you cannot abide in the presence of the Almighty God unless, number one, you are connected to Him. Connection to the Almighty God is what brings abiding in the first place. You cannot abide when you are not connected with the Almighty God. Number two, you cannot abide unless you are dependent upon Him. You have to say, Lord, I give up my own power, I give up my own understanding, and I'm depending upon you. That is the only way you can abide. Number three, you can only abide when you continue to remain attached to him. Okay? When you continue to remain attached to him. So those are the conditions for, for, for abiding. Now how do, now that we have an understanding, at least a brief, uh, a general overview of what abiding is all about. The question is how does a Christian abide? How does a Christian abide? A Christian abide number one through conscious surrender. In other words, you make up your mind. Not because it feels good. Not because it is the, you know, it is the most convenient thing. But you make up your mind and say, this is what I want to do. I want to surrender myself unto you. And that is the way you are. That's how a Christian abide. A Christian abide, number one, by conscious surrender. A Christian abide by implicit trust. You trust the Lord regardless of what the circumstance around you is telling you. Regardless of what the weather is telling you. Regardless of how your body is feeling. Regardless of the whisper that you are hearing from the world. You abide because you know by, by implicitly trusting the word of God. That's how you abide. How do you abide? Number three. You abide by having what is called an active faith. The Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You cannot abide if you don't believe that the almighty God is a faithful God. It's not possible. You cannot continue to walk with somebody. You cannot continue to trust somebody. It's just like those of us who are involved in 401k or investment. You cannot continue to put your money in an investment if you don't trust that that investment will do good. You cannot continue to you cannot continue to sponsor something or put your money somewhere if you don't believe that that thing is viable. 
And Jesus is saying that if you want to abide in me, the active faith is required. You have to believe me. Because if you don't believe me, what are you doing? Then number four, abiding in Christ depends on you is a function of daily dependence. It's not a dependence you sign the dotted land and then you walk away. Every day you renew yourself. Every day you renew that commitment. Every day you renew that particular desire to continue to walk with the Almighty God. We do that at work. There are days when you really don't want to go to that place of work. There are times when you wish that they would just give you a vacation for one year and they keep paying you, no problem. You know, but there's a desire. You don't want to go there. But every morning when you wake up in the morning when your body is telling you sleep sometime, you know, take the call them to in the office today. Don't go today. You get into the car and you drive to that world. That is what is called daily dependence, a daily commitment, a daily surrender. Say, I will do this thing regardless of what I'm doing, you know, regardless of what the situation is telling me. You have to daily depend on him to be able to provide. Because if you don't depend on him, you will not surrender to him. You will not abide in his presence. Number five, abiding is a function of simple obedience. When he tells you do this, you do it. When he tells you to move, you move. When he tells you to sit down, you sit down. If you are not willing to obey, then what are you doing in his house? If you are not willing to obey, what are you doing in his presence? If you are not willing to obey, why are you praying? If you are not willing to obey, why do you associate yourself with him? Why are you called by his name? If you are not willing to obey, what is the essence of getting involved with somebody when you are not willing to listen to whatever that person is saying? And that's what Jesus is saying, that if you are going to abide with me, simple obedience is what is required. The question is, why is this issue of abiding very important? Why is it important? Why is it necessary that we, as believers, must abide in Christ? Let's go to the book of John chapter 15 that we read for our time of soil. We're Bible reading this morning. John 15, reading from verse number 4, the Bible tells us, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. For this my father is glorified that you bear much fruits, so you will be my disciples. So why is it important? Why is it necessary for you to abide? Number one, it is important for you to abide in Christ because your provision depends on it. Your provision depends on it. Bible says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. In other words, you want to live the Christian life. It is not possible for you to do it with your own power. You want to live, you want to have the provision, you want to have the strength, you want to live a victorious life. It is not possible if you try to do it by your own ability. That's why you need to remain in Him. Where who gives you the power, who gives you the strength, and who gives you the resources to be able to live the Christian life? Your abiding in Christ is important because your provision depends on it. Number two, your abiding in Christ is is important because your productivity in life depends on it. You can never be productive on your own. If you listen to what your flesh will do, many of us will not go to work. Many of us will go to DHS office and collect food stamps because it's easier. But when you abide in the Almighty God, the Bible says that if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear fruits. You will be able to receive the resources. You will receive the nourishment. You will receive the things, that, the resources of heaven to be able to fulfill, to do the things that you need to do. And that's why when you look at some Christians, in a difficult situation, they are prospering. 
When everybody's going crazy, these guys are having joy. Is you think that it's because they are special? No. It is the grace of God that makes the difference. When you go to the place where everybody is discouraged, you see that joy in the heart of this individual. Does it mean that it's because they are, they, they, they are, they, they are in denial? No. There's something else going on inside of their life. And that is the spirit of God dwelling in them. Your productivity is why it is important that you dwell and you abide in the presence of the Almighty God. Number three, abiding in Christ is very, very important because your progress in life is a function of that abiding. Because if you go in your strength, you are going to get tired. If you go in your own ability, it will run out at one point in time. If you trust the resource of your father or your mother or the government or the community, at one point in time, they will stop giving it. The only one that gives you a resource that is unlimited is the Almighty God. He's the only one that continues to provide when there is no, you know, when other people have failed. So you abide because your progress in life, your progress in your work with the Almighty God depends on it. You abide because your preservation depends on it. There are so many things that comes our way that want to knock us out. There are so many things that want to come our way that comes our way that want to discourage us. There are so many things that you look at you don't want to continue the journey anymore. You want to throw in the towel. The reason why you are preserving is because the Spirit of God continues to encourage you. So you abide in Christ because your preservation depends on it. And finally, you abide in Christ because your prosperity depends on it. Your prosperity depends on it. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, you will ask what you desire and that it shall be done for you. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.